Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, BreastCancer.org Senior Editor, Jamie DiPolo. Hello, thanks for listening. Our guest today is Dr. Maxine Jockelson, Chief of the Breast Imaging Service at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Besides specializing in breast imaging, she also has expertise in interpreting PET-slash-CT scans. Dr. Jockelson joins us to discuss imaging tests for invasive lobular breast cancer, including telling us why lobular breast cancer is more difficult to see on mammograms. Dr. Jockelson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I know we're going to learn a lot today. And just in case anybody listening isn't aware, um, lobular breast cancer is cancer that starts in the lobules, the glands in the breast that produce milk. And lobular breast cancer is the second most common breast cancer, accounting for about 10% of breast cancer cases in the United States. Ductal breast cancer which starts in the ducts, which are the tubes that carry milk from the lobules to the nipple, is more common, and that makes up about 80% of cases. So Dr. Jockelson, I've read that in many cases, lobular breast cancer doesn't cause a lump. Is this why it's harder to see on a mammogram? Uh, This is why it's harder to see on a mammogram and why by the time the patient does have a symptom, it's often later because, you know, sometimes the patient will find a small lump with other cancers. And in this case, it doesn't always happen. Okay. And when you're reading a mammogram and you see a suspicious area, do you automatically recommend another type of imaging or does it depend on what you see? How does that work? So first of all, there are two kinds of mammograms. There are screening mammograms, and those are mammograms that are done in women who have no symptoms at all. And then there are diagnostic mammograms where a woman may come in with a symptom. And we approach them slightly differently. The patient who has a symptom, if she has a lump, the technologist has marked it off and said, you know, Mrs. Jones has a lump here and and five o'clock axis. I look at the mammogram. Uh, We do tomosynthesis on almost all of our patients, which is kind of like a CT scan through the breast. And so that actually prevents us from doing an additional spot film, which we used to do. So we take a look at the mammogram. If I don't see anything on the mammogram that goes with that lump, I will then do an ultrasound. Other group of patients are screening patients and they're asymptomatic. And we read those. uh, So the diagnostic we read while the patient is in the building. The screening we batch read and we we read it in in lumps so that the uh, patient gets the results by the next business day. And then if I see something abnormal, and the same with the diagnostics, if I see something else abnormal, then I will do additional mammographic imaging. Okay. Okay. And just so everybody knows too, I think in a lot of places, tomosynthesis that you mentioned is called a 3D mammogram. So it's, it's, it takes a 3D image of the breast. So it actually isn't a 3D image, but we call it a 3D. Okay. That's the irony of it. <laughs> that's why I call it Tomo, um, because it's really not three-dimensional, but that's the best we could come up with so people don't have to say Tomo synthesis. Which is- <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it, it's aiming to be a 3D mammogram. Exactly. That. 
Okay. Okay. So if you're, say you're looking at a diagnostic mammogram and lobular breast cancer might be suspected, and I know if there's no lump, like what do you do then? How do you approach that? You know, when I read any mammogram, I'm just looking for a cancer. And, you know, in the back of my brain, although, yes, there are small groups of women who have a likelihood of, of getting ILC because of a genetic thing that's not that common. So as whenever I open up a mammogram in an asymptomatic woman or symptomatic, I'm looking at it for any kind of cancer. I don't really think I'm looking for invasive lobular. But there are patterns that you do see when you have, and most of the time that this is a more advanced lobular cancer, and that is you see an asymmetry. The breast looks a little different uh, than the breast of the other breast, for example. Or there's a well-known syndrome when it's fairly advanced is that you have a shrinking breast. So if you have old films and you see all of a sudden one breast is getting smaller, those are the kinds of things, but by the time you're seeing those things, the tumor's been there for a while. Uh, but those are the things that makes your brain go lobular versus ductal cancer. But other than that, um, if it's a symptomatic patient and they don't feel a lump, but there's a ridge of tissue, sometimes that, that's the description. It's just some thickening or things like that. But that's very nonspecific. And you can have that from an invasive ductal cancer or from nothing and things like that. So I still approach every case just looking for a breast cancer. That makes sense. Um, so if there is no lump, I guess I'm I'm trying to to understand in my brain, like how I guess I'm wondering if, if lobular breast cancer isn't very advanced, is it possible to catch earlier or because it really doesn't often show symptoms, are they mostly caught later? I'm trying to understand that process. You can find a lobular cancer early, sometimes because it does disrupt the architecture of the breast, you know, and it may just be a small area early on. And, and one of the things that Tomo is very good for is looking at what we call asymmetries or architectural distortion, because since you're looking at such thin slices through the breast, you know, in the old days, the whole breast was sitting there and, you know, in a 2D image. And you see everything on top of everything. Whereas with this, you are going uh, in thin sections through the breast. And so a subtle area of change you can detect more easily than you could on the old type of mammograms. So that you can find them early. Sometimes they present with microcalcifications, and in which case those are things that we find either way as well. Okay. And I wanted to ask you too, I know sometimes... PET scans or CT scans are recommended to sort of help with the diagnosis of lobular invasive breast cancer. Some members of our community who've been diagnosed with lobular breast cancer have talked about, you know, what's the difference between an FES PET scan versus an FDG PET scan and how some were recommended to get one versus the other. So if you could kind of explain those for us. But I just want to make it clear, this is not to make the diagnosis in the breast. Oh, okay. PET scanning is not a tool that we use to look for cancer in the breast. What we're talking about is a woman who has been diagnosed with invasive lobular breast cancer. Okay. And then we're looking for metastatic disease. 
Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. And so that's what we call systemic staging. So it, um, we systemically stage women when they have a more advanced breast cancer representation, if they have no symptoms. Okay. Um, so classically I, uh, you know, we stage women one through four. One is just a small breast cancer, no adenopathy. Two, the breast cancer is a little bit larger and may have abnormal lymph nodes. Three is more locally advanced and four is metastatic. Okay, so stage one patients, we do not systemically stage. Um, there's 2A and 2B. 2A, we don't systemically stage, but we are moving towards systemically staging women with a bigger cancer and axillary nodes. The uh, tools that we use have changed over a period of time. We used to just use CAT scans and bone scans. But we did find out once we started doing PET that PET was more sensitive and more accurate. So PET, um, it's FDG PET. And FDG is a, um, is a sugar, you know, it's, a, it's a, a sugar tag. And since cancers need sugars to grow, I mean, this is very simplistic. So we, we add a tracer uh, to the sugar and then the, the patient lies still for an hour after they've done this and they have to fast beforehand. And then while they're resting, the FDG will go to areas of cancer. It can also go to areas that are not cancer and for example, the heart because the heart's beating, but, but that is the reason we're doing it. And it will show cancer is not so much in the brain, but every place else in the body. What we've learned over a period of time, uh, FDG is fantastic for invasive ductal cancers. The more aggressive cancers take it up even faster. And it's also used in every other, in not just breast cancer. Um, the more aggressive cancers will be, uh, the uptake is calling it's hot, it gets very high. You see a lot of uptake and that's a really great way to stage and follow women with breast cancer. After a while, we began to realize that women with invasive lobular cancers don't necessarily take up the FDG at all or to the same extent as women with invasive ductal cancers. And over a period of time, we have looked at other tracers. Okay, so one of them is called FACBC. It was actually a tracer that was also good in prostate cancer. It was good, but it was not perfect. But more recently, FES, so it's an estradiol is, is kind of a subset of estrogen. And this is an, the E in FES stands for the estradiol. And so, so it's a test that's similar to a PET scan in the sense that you get an injection of this tracer, um, but you don't need to lie still or whatever, and then you will be scanned. And what we've learned is that in breast cancers that are less aggressive, so that includes, or slower growing, so that includes invasive lobulars, but some estrogen receptor positive cancers that are not lobular cancers, but are not as aggressive as others, then FES is better in those specific cancers than FDG. Now, this is a relatively newly FDA approved tracer. It has one flaw and that is it kind of, it goes to the liver. And so the liver is so hot that you can't necessarily find metastases in the liver like you can on an FDG. 
FDG doesn't, uh, you can't see the brain very well. With FES, you can. Otherwise, it shows you the rest of the body beautifully. And in fact, we have certainly seen patients in whom the FDG is negative or not so, you know, not so much going on. And the FES is very, uh, it's FES avid. So you see the tumor well. At this point in time, because this is still relatively new, in most women, we start with the FDG PET CT because that still is the standard of care. And in many women with ILC, it's great. So it's not useless to do that. But if we are still suspicious, then we do the FES scan. Okay. So somebody yeah. could have both. Exactly. Okay. They, may, they may have to just until we have more experience with FES. The other thing that's very interesting, it's not only that it shows tumor, by showing the FDG scan and the FES scan, it can also tell you which drugs are more likely to work in your tumor. So if the FES does not take up a lot, if you don't see a lot of uptake, then those women are less likely to get a benefit from certain hormone therapies than women where there's more uptake because the FES is telling you about the hormonal milieu in your cancer. So, so it, it helps you predict response to treatment by certain drugs and also comparing to FDG. If the patient has more FDG uptake, it's a more aggressive tumor. And so those patients don't necessarily do as well as a patient with FES. So there's all these, and these are little things we're learning. So it's not just finding the cancer, it's telling you how it should be treated and how it will behave. There is one more uh, tracer that's on the market soon called FAPI, which may actually be better than anything, but we don't have it FDA approved yet. And we're always looking for better and better ways of, of finding these cancers. Okay, thank you. That was very interesting. Um, this this new one that's not approved yet, has it been studied um, in breast cancer? I'm assuming it has. Yes. Okay. Yes. But it's not, you know, we certainly don't have the numbers of, of studies yet to do it, but I think it's going to be very good. So if somebody that had been diagnosed with lobular breast cancer and it was suspected that it had, had metastasized, you know, maybe there are some other symptoms. From what you said, I just want to make sure I understand. It's likely the person would probably get the FDG PET scan first. And then if that didn't show anything, they would get the FES PET scan. Is that how it works usually? At, at this point in time, again, I do believe that within a short period of time, maybe a year or so, then they may get rid of the FDG. But right now we need to use the the tool that we know is really good and then grow from it. So yes, for the time being, most places will do that. Okay. Okay. And then I guess I'm wondering too, is PET scan the primary type of imaging somebody would have if they did have metastatic lobular breast cancer to sort of monitor how treatment was working? Yes. And and it's a PET CT. So you are getting a CT scan along with this. It's not okay. just pure PET. Okay. So you're seeing the bones, you're seeing all the structures, and then you're seeing the PET on top. So yes, what we, you know, and again, there's still places that aren't using PET. There are issues in terms of insurers reimbursing for it, although um, it has finally made it all the way to the top in the NCCN guidelines, which is how the insurers take their cues. So some places are still doing CT and bone scan, but the preponderance of the literature says that these are better tools. So yeah, so 
if a patient comes in and there was suspected, we're suspecting METs, then we will do the PET or the FES, and then we'll treat the patient. And then depending on the individual and her tumor in two to three to four months, re-image. Um, lots of different people have different ways of doing it. Also depends on what drugs you're using and how the patient is, you know, if she's not uh, responding well to the drug or if it's making her ill, they may rescan her and to see what's going on. But yes. Okay. And the PET uh, CT scan together, that's, it's done all at one time, right? You don't do one and then the other. Well, you, you do, um, it's very fast. So okay. you basically, after you, we'll talk about the FDG, you've now stayed still for an hour. They'll put you on the table. They'll do the CT, but we're talking minutes. They do the CT of the whole body and then they do the PET. And then the machine, the images are can be read separately. So you can read the CT with that. And then it uses them. And so you can then look at them, the, the PET on top of the CT. But the actual whole scan, uh, the machines are getting faster and faster. So the whole thing from the time you lie down, you know, probably 15, 20 minutes to do the whole body. So it's pretty quick. Okay. Okay. And now kind of keeping on the metastatic lobular breast cancer, when it metastasizes, I know it tends to go to some different areas than ductal breast cancer, um, I want to say the gastrointestinal tract, the abdominal lining, and the tissue around the eyes or kidneys. Um, not, now I know it doesn't go to just those areas, but those areas are a little bit different than ductal cancer. So what kind of imaging tests do you use to kind of see those areas? Well, those are the, the imaging tests we've discussed. Oh, uh, okay. The, the, the issue is just keeping it in your mind, okay, this is invasive lobular, so I better, you know, especially the lining of the stomach, a lot of times the, the metastases is just a very thin layer of cells, so you have to look in a different way. I mean, you know, we look for everything, but you have to have in your brain, well, in this particular patient, I really need to make sure that the it's the peritoneum, but that I take a really good look there, you know, things like that. For every cancer that you read, you know, you kind of have an idea of the disease pattern and then you look everywhere, but then you also go back and take a second look in those areas that are possibly more likely. And, you know, the other thing, just as a note, that when I talked about a genetic uh, disorder that where women get invasive lobular cancer, there's also a gastric cancer that goes with that, that, that also has the same potential uh, genomic Thing. And actually, um, you can use FES on those gastric cancers as well, um, because it's all coming and and it's a familial problem that some you know some families will have this. So it, there is an overlap, and part of it is when the stomach is involved, it diffusely evolved just like the lining. So this is again you know the reason lobular cancers are hard to see lumps is that they grow in straight lines instead of forming a mass they kind of insert themselves all the way through the stomach or all the way through the lining of the, um, of the abdomen. Okay. So it's almost like a sheet perhaps exactly. or okay. that. And then it will get lumpy and there'll be more than just a thin sheet, but that those are the things that we have to think about when we're looking at women with invasive lobule. Now it will go to bone just like other breast cancers, you know, and it will go to liver not as common theoretically, but all of the regular sites can also have, have that cancer. 
Okay. So just to make sure I understand, so the, the testing is basically the same, but it's really the radiologist thinking like, what is the pattern of this cancer? So this is lobular cancer. I have to remember to look at these other areas in the scans. Yes. Except for the tracers that, you know, so you would okay. use an FES, do an FES scan on a patient with invasive ductal cancer frequently. You might if it's a low grade, um, but then there's HER2 positive breast cancers, and we have a completely different tracer for that. And you wouldn't use the same for both. Okay. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. So I guess what I'm wondering, if somebody, and I I don't know that they would, but if somebody suspected that they had lobular cancer versus ductal cancer, like say they didn't have a lump, but maybe their breast was red, or the, like you said, there was some thickening, should they go to their doctor and ask for specific tests or is the doctor going to know and say, okay, you may have lobular, we're going to do these tests? Uh, first of all, the redness in a breast is what we think of as inflammatory breast cancer. And that's not, that's not specific for lobular. Okay. That, that is something it's more common to have invasive ductal. So it's more commonly seen in invasive ductal. So the redness is not specific for that. When a patient has a breast symptom, they go to the doctor and the doctor examines them and then orders. And you start with the routine test. There's no reason to start with anything but your basic mammogram and ultrasound and work up the symptoms. Okay. And then if there is still further concern, then you can do additional testing. And many people will think about doing a breast MRI. We also have a test that we do here uh, is called contrast enhanced mammography. And, and both of these are similar in that you give women dye and cancer vessels are leaky. And when you give them the dye, it kind of leaks out and it will show you something's going on in that area, even if you can't see a discrete lump. And so if you're highly suspicious that something like that is going on with the patient and you're not finding it on the mammogram or the ultrasound, then move to, I mean, contrast mammo is relatively new, so move to MR or move to contrast to try to get a better look at what's going on. Okay. Okay, Dr. Jackelson, thank you so much. This has been really helpful and informative. I'm glad it has. And yeah. been, been interesting to, to think about all of these things specifically. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to the breastcancer.org podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share your thoughts about this or any episode, email us at podcast at breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website. And remember, you can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.